Today we're going to be in the book of Colossians. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. As uh, the message is uh, how the, we are complete in Christ. You know, I don't know if you're here today and maybe for whatever strange reason you feel incomplete. You know, there's so many reasons why sometimes people feel incomplete. A lot of times it's because of our own just flaws and failures that are staring us in the face. Sometimes it's because of the fact that we have been uh, belittled or demeaned. Uh, someone didn't love us. Um, maybe even sometimes, you know, parents mean well, but they say things or siblings say things that for whatever reason are derogatory and they just tear us down. And a lot of times those words... They just stay, they sting, and we just never could come to a place where we realize how we are loved by God, how we are in Christ accepted in the beloved, and how we are complete in Christ. And so what happens a lot of times is when you're not feeling complete, you know, you start looking at other places, you start looking to other things. We talked about ambitions or relations or possessions or whatever it might be. To fill the void, but none of those things will ever fill the void. Um, the only one that can is Jesus. And so Paul's writing to the Colossian church, and unfortunately, tragically, there were uh, false teachers that had gone in and told them, hey, Jesus isn't enough. You need other things. You need legalism, asceticism, Judaism, Gnosticism, you name it. And uh, it's kind of like, in one sense, uh, I, I don't know, I know this is not like a, the great illustration, but, you know, let's just say you're on the freeway and you're driving and it's just, you know, and there's no traffic and you're just flying through. And then you start seeing these billboards on the side. And especially if you go on these long trips, a lot of these billboards are intended to get you off the freeway. They're like, you know, whatever, you know, um, this restaurant's ahead, next exit, you know, trying to get you off the freeway. And so we're living in a world where there's a lot of lies, a lot of distractions. It comes in different forms. I mean, you can go on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, Instagram. Um, you can go to Harvard University, Stanford, some of the higher education places. Um, you can even sometimes look in their own fallen flesh and whatever, for whatever reason, you get things that are contrary to the Bible. And those are the things that are trying to get you off the freeway. So Paul here loves them because like yesterday when we did the funeral for my mom, I mean, you know, we didn't have an easy life. She did not have an easy life by any means. Uh, she never complained. But like I shared with uh, the congregation yesterday, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know if my mom ever owned more than what can fit into a single room. My dad, too. My dad, when he passed away, he was renting a room from someone. And so it wasn't an easy life. I mean, we were sometimes uh, staying in motels on Garvey, just different things. But this is just temporary. Now, my mom's in a mansion. And I'm not saying, you know, well, some people say, well, well, how do you get a big reward in heaven? Is it by being a pastor or an evangelist? Or is it, you know, you have to have a certain position in ministry? Oh, absolutely not. Jesus said, as a matter of fact, when we're in heaven, the last will be first. 
and the first will be last. I think one of the things uh, uh, that encouraged me when I was talking to everybody afterwards in the reception and even after the service is just the way that they felt the love from my mom. And let that be our testimony. You know, wouldn't it be cool if people said that about you, about me, that they loved me? And, uh, and so now she's there in heaven. And so all I'm saying is that you've got to stay on the freeway, man. <laughs> you've got to stay on the freeway. Don't go off track. Just keep on believing. I think Journey sang the song, but they, they said, don't stop believing. <laughs> but for us, it's don't stop believing in Jesus Christ. So Paul's fighting for the church. Look what you read here. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. You know, Paul here talks about the fact that he had a conflict. And the word conflict is the word struggle. In the Greek language, he would... Literally, he was literally fighting for them. Have you ever had someone fight for you? You know, let's just say there was someone that was trying to threaten you or someone, maybe you were at school and they were putting you down or whatever, trying to do damage in different ways. And someone actually stepped up and and tried to fight for you. That's Paul the Apostle. You know, as a matter of fact, when he ended his life, he used those words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Listen, life as a Christian for us, there is a a fight involved. And here Paul is concerned and he's fighting for the church. And he just wants to tell them, you know, the simple message, man, the Lord loves you. Jesus is enough. You're here today. You're struggling with drugs and alcohol. You're here today. Maybe... You know, you're involved in things that you deep down inside, like like Gio said, living in sin, you know. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. As a matter of fact, God loves you. That's why he brought you here today, and he can actually help you overcome and be forgiven of all those sins. Paul here doesn't want anyone to get off track, and so, you know, he fights. I'm reminded of a story I, I read about a pastor who was concerned that a bar had opened up too close to one of the local schools. And so this is before a certain legislation was passed. And so, you know, he protested, the church got involved, eventually it led to a court case. And so as they're there in court, the defense attorney, he tried his best to attack the pastor. And are you not a pastor, the lawyer asked. And, and doesn't the word pastor mean shepherd? Well, yeah, that's who I am, and that yeah, that's what the word pastor means. And so the defense attorney said, so why aren't you with the sheep? And uh, the pastor wisely responded, because right now I'm dealing with the wolves. <laughs> there are wolves. And that's why Paul here is, he uses the word, uh, there's this conflict going on, there's this struggle going on there's this uh, fight that i'm fighting for you he cared for them even though he'd never met them he was burdened for them Uh, the greek word it speaks of agonizing over them that was paul he cared for the church he cared for the people even though he never met them they probably had started this church as as an offshoot 
from the church of Ephesus. And then you've got Colossae, you've got Laodicea. He says, I have a struggle for you guys, even though I've never seen you in the face. That was his, his heart. Uh, a passage over in Second Corinthians eleven twenty eight. it says, besides the other things which comes upon me daily, he said, my deep concern for all the churches. And so Paul cared for Colossae, Laodicea. He cared for Almonte también. He did. <laughs> that was in his heart. And you wonder why he cared. And the simple answer is because Jesus cares. I think of you guys, and I don't know all of you guys, but I know I have a responsibility that's been entrusted to, to me for you. And I, and I wonder, like, and I, sometimes I'll get certain faces in my mind or certain names in my mind, and I'm like, man, okay, now they're, they're, they're in college. Will they stay on track? You know, they're, they're not involved in ministry uh, anymore. Or are they still going to stay close to Jesus? I haven't seen them lately. I wonder how they're doing. And you just begin to pray for people because not everybody who starts seems to finish. And so that was Paul. He had this concern because the Lord had put it in them. You know, one of the things we see that he cares about, look at verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, Paul here was concerned and he cared. And, and one of the things that would actually protect them from the lies of Lucifer is if their hearts were knit together in love. You know, I saw that yesterday. I saw this amazing church just love on us. And the, the food was amazing. People baked and people cooked and the prayers and the words of encouragement and just different ways of expressions of love. And, you know, it, it's just so cool to see that happening. But I've seen it happen over the years. I've seen it happen since I've become a Christian. And here Paul is praying that, that their hearts would be knit together in, in love. And notice the reason, if you look at verse 2, the, the reason is, is he wanted them to attain to all the riches of the full assurance. Like, they, he wanted them to come to a place where they knew, like, you know, you all know, I know, I'm saved. I know that if something were to happen to me today, that I'd be in heaven. I have that, that peace, that that's been settled. I have that assurance, not because I have it all together, because I don't. None of us do. It's not based on our behavior. It's based on the blood. That I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ, and therefore, um, as this church they're knit together in love. And what ends up happening is every member of the body does their part. And what that does is that it creates a healthy congregation. It creates a healthy individual. And therefore, they are not at a weird church that tells them, well, you've got to be good enough and you have to dot every I and cross every T and make sure that you read for an hour every day and pray every day and make sure that you never miss a, a church service. Of course he wants you to read and pray and go to church and do all that stuff, but that doesn't save you. The gospel, the truth is, your faith in Jesus saves you. And when that's clear, that, 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 that love that everyone brings to the table and together we serve the Lord it gives that the riches 
of the full assurance. Those are the riches that we should long for. Just in case you're here and you're looking for worldly riches, worldly accolades, uh, I got to tell you, that'll never fill the void. That will never be enough. The riches in Christ, the riches of a relationship with God, the riches of the full assurance. You know, I don't, I, I've talked to people over the years and and I don't know if it's just, you know, because we're all created differently and, you know, we were raised in different cultures and upbringings and environments and things like that. But I, my heart goes out to, to people, some people who doubt their salvation. You know, and, and so if you're here and you're not sure, maybe because, you know, you're, you're, you're you know, living a certain lifestyle or you're here and you're unsure because um, you just have never really understood the gospel, man, I pray that those things would be settled today. You know, in simplicity, placing your faith in Christ so that you have the full assurance. And, and what he moves towards in verse 2 is just really, he, he kind of strikes to, to kind of like beeline towards Christ. He tries to go just straight to Jesus. Again, the full assurance of the understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. Or what's the mystery of God? Both of the Father and of Christ. You know, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What he's trying to do really here is just trying to bring people to Jesus. That's all we're supposed to do. That's all... I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to be up here in any way trying to convince you of anything that's necessarily good in me or, or point you to some other man or some other system. I'm here, we're here as a church to point you to Jesus. This, the mystery is, yeah, of the fact that that he's God. Now in the Old Testament, the truth was implied. In the New Testament, it's explicit. Back then, it's implicit, right? But, but the, the thing is, is, as he shares right here, the, 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 no one doubts the, the deity of the Father, right? This mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, they were not sure on the deity of Christ. They, they had Jesus, but people were telling them that Jesus wasn't enough. You want, you're not good enough. You need to do this. Asceticism, legalism, Judaism, Gnosticism. We've got secrets over here. This is how you really get saved. This is how you really get strong. And Paul is saying, no, Jesus is enough. Here he mentions the fact in verse 3 that in him are, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, we, a lot of times, you know, and again, I got to be careful, but I need to say this, you guys, that you'll watch videos. I mean, when, so when I talk about TikTok, um, you guys know that I'm old and I don't have a TikTok account, right? <laughs> All right. So if I did have a TikTok account, that'd probably be me trying to, to be young or something. And so I have Facebook and I also have Instagram, but I'm not good at it. Anyways, my daughter helps me. So... <laughs> All I'm saying is that, you know, there's a lot of things on there that'll mess you up. 
You know, you can watch a video on YouTube like that. And next thing you know, someone that was a solid believer and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is not anymore. Why? Because someone famous said something? Because someone who's, who's attractive or pretty or rich or handsome or buff or whatever it might be said something. And sometimes they say things in such a way and they're very good at it. They are communicators to the core, man, and they've got the whole presentation and the, whatever. You know, the, the way that they make it even shine and, and glitter and just the way that it, the video all comes out, you're, you're just like, inf- you know, you're convinced, oh, that must be true. But... But if it contradicts what God says, we got to be so careful. In, in Christ are hidden these treasures, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so you don't need to add to Christ. You just need to deepen your relationship with Christ. You know, one of the things that we have all learned in, in life, because we are we are our social creatures, is that we can have a relationship with other people, and your relationships can go so far, right? And it's it's sometimes though the Lord will bring you know love into your life and you get to know somebody and more and more and more and more and deeper, and it just it's an almost endless thing. This is what we can have with Christ. We don't need to add to Christ. We just need to deepen this relationship with Christ. Study the cross. Study his words. Study his character. He wasn't a religious Pharisee. He wasn't like those guys of the day who looked down on others. No, he was the lover of tax collectors, the lover of prostitutes, lover of sinners. You know, um, he was just an amazing one who loved kids and just he went against the grain of legalism but um, for us, this is our example. Study his life. This is why I really do encourage you to read your Bible because uh, it's a hymn book. It's all about him, right? And so the father points to Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verse 7. He says, to everyone, this is the son that I love. Hear him. And then the Holy Spirit points to Jesus in John fifteen twenty six. He will testify of me, Jesus said. And so I want to encourage you to study the life of Christ and don't get sidetracked with all those other things. Verse 4, he says, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Paul didn't want anyone to deceive them, anyone to trick them. You know, and like I said earlier, they're good at their arguments, so we have to be careful. Uh, He was concerned about this. Um, In my office, if you guys ever want to check it out, you can. Um, I have a couple of works of art, and uh, one of them is this guy. He's sitting by the river with the scroll in his hand, and what that work of art is, is just how I'm supposed to be reading my Bible. And so, man, you, you guys know that, huh? You're like, hey, he's a pastor. He better read the Bible, right? <laughs> got to study it. i got to saturate myself in the scriptures. And the Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the past sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day 
and night. He'll be like this tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit and its season, and whatever he does will prosper. Whatever who does, whatever that man does, that woman does, who saturates themselves in the scriptures, right? And so I I have one painting that's that guy, and then I have another on this side, and what it is is a shepherd with a little sheep that's right here with his staff, and then he's looking at those wolves over there, mad-dogging them. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to be doing. Because there is a battle going on. There is a war going on. That's why there's a warning. Especially you young people here. Man, I, I can't tell you how much I love you. I can't articulate it well enough. And how much I pray that you would you know, receive the, the baton as we're passing the faith on to the next generation and how how strong your faith has to be because you're going to live in a world that's hostile to Jesus, the the biblical Jesus. And so Paul here says that the reason I'm writing, the reason I'm saying this is because I don't want anyone to deceive you with persuasive words because even though I'm not there um, in the flesh, I am there with you in the spirit. And what that basically means is is he wanted to be an influence. So uh, if you guys were here earlier, you saw, uh, you heard Peter talk about how he took his niece uh, to church and then uh, she embraced it because a lot of times those kids, they're just so beautiful and they have the faith of a child and they, they don't have any problems, you know, believing in the gospel and it's just the way God wired them. Um, but then when they get older, a lot of times, you know, they, they, unfortunately, so much happens within us that they might get sidetracked. But then when, you know, she was uh, going through those trials, the Lord was there for her. And, and so even though Peter wasn't there um, when she was necessarily going through the cancer, he wasn't there physically. He was there in spirit because he was, his heart, his prayers... And his influence, his influence was present. And and that's what we can actually do. We might not be there physically, but we can be there in other ways. You know, I, uh, I was thinking about Pastor Chuck Smith, no longer with us, but I can still hear his voice telling the pastors to stay the course. And I don't know if I should share this, but... You guys already think I'm weird anyways, right? <laughs> but I remember when we were on our way back from the Kern River, or I don't know if it was the Kern River or a camping. And anyways, um, my, my, brother, my brother Gabe was actually on the freeway driving. Uh, uh, I believe the, the Barrera family were next to him in the, in the freeway. And there were others that had gone with us. But I guess what had happened, uh, and forgive me if I butcher this, but um, the, 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 the tire got shredded up and it got you know, kind of like caught up into whatever, the axle. And so as a result of that, the, the, the truck started just veering uh, towards, you know, the other lane. And I think he was looking right at this other family. And so here's Gabe just fighting with everything he can. As this thing is just wanting to go this way. He's fighting with everything he can to... To, to stir the car the right way. 
Thank God the guy's been working out, man. Thank God. You know, he's strong. And he was able to just resist that, that pull in the wrong direction that could have just cost so many lives. And I'm sure he's just thinking about the, the loved ones in that lane, you know. And, uh, and then, you know, thank God he was able to hold the, the course, to stay the course. And then, you know, eventually, I guess... Uh, the, the tire, the whatever got caught, gave, and then next thing you know, he goes this other way, and he goes flying. He's always wanted to do that, fly. <laughs> but he lands, and thank God nobody got hurt. But that's kind of what is we got to do. There is the flow that's going this way, and there's got to be the fight to go the other way. There's grain in the wood. There's grain in our nature that wants to go the wrong way, but we have to go against the grain, against the flow. We have to go the right way. As we're going down the freeway, they want us to exit and off-ramp, and God says, no, stay on course. Because remember, it's not just a social club. This is a journey to heaven. It really is. And so Paul here, he's just talking to them and says, hey, notice again, verse 5, for though I'm absent in the flesh and I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Right there where it says good order and steadfastness, those are military terms. So this is a war that we're in. And so Paul says in verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, I look at people here, and I can just go down this row right here and name every name, Almost, and uh, I, I think about them. I don't. I'm weird, huh? I think about them and their personal relationship with Christ. Lord, you saved Darla. Lord, you saved Ricky. You did. You saved these people, Billy and Ivy, and I can just go and you can name people, Maria, and it's just an amazing thing to think that the God of the universe came into their life. Somewhere along the line, they made a decision. Maybe whether they were a kid or whether they were growing up or whether it was a crisis time in their life, but they made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Well, how did you do that? Did you, did you sign a paper? How did you do that? Did you stand on your head till your ears are red? I mean, how did you do that? Did they make you do push-ups? Was it a ceremony or a sacrament? I mean, how did you receive Christ? It was just by faith. I, I heard the truth. I heard that he loved me. I heard that he died for me. I heard that he rose again. And I heard the promise But if I believe him, if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I'll be saved. And Paul says, as you received him, just like when you received him, you keep doing that. You, you keep believing. Like Journey said, don't stop believing. You keep believing 
on the Lord Jesus Christ. You keep walking in that. You keep living in that. You don't have to add rules and regulations. There needs to be no legalism or asceticism or Judaism or Gnosticism. Sometimes you do see people, and it trips me out, how they would go from this freeway, this, man, this personal relationship with God, back to bondage, back to, you know, Catholicism or something. And again, I'm not saying that people that are in the Catholic Church are not saved, but how can you go from this to that when you know that in all reality, we don't have to confess our sins to a priest. We don't pray to saints, to Mary. We don't even need a priest to be a mediator between me and God. I have a personal relationship with him. So how do people go back to stuff like that? How do they go back to, well, I need to go to a building where there's stained glass windows. I need to go to a building where there's holy water, and I can do this. Why do we do that? I want to smell the incense. Because there's a part of us, it's a natural inclination we have to want to you know, have those types of tangibles and stimulations of the senses in order to think that, you know, well, we can deepen our relationship with God. No. You can deepen your relationship with God, with Jesus, by the, the simple things, by faith and by the Spirit. The Spirit of God will take the Word of God to conceive a child of God. And the Spirit of God will take the Word of God to conform us into the image of God. Very, very simple. And Paul says that as you received him, so walk in him. Right here where it says rooted, that's, you know, the, the agriculture. And then built up, that's the architecture. And if you can visualize like this, you know, going down and getting those uh, roots, you know, and then growing up, you know, so now you're getting taller. But you can't just get taller. He says right here, rooted and built up in him and established. So you need to get the roots down, you need to grow up taller, and you also need to get stronger. You know, sometimes you see the professional basketball players, they're tall, but they still need to get some muscle. Because I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but you got to be strong because they're moving in there, right? Get those rebounds. That's what we have to do as Christians, rooted and taller and stronger, it's all by faith. You know, we have to be so careful that we don't add religion, rules, regulations, because that can be just, not just, you know, garbage or trash, but poison if you begin to place your faith in those things. Second Corinthians 11. I, I, I was wondering if you guys could turn there real quick. Second Corinthians 11, in verse 1, Paul says, Oh, that you would bear with me a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. In other words, again, we've just been saying this, that, that as a pastor, but I think we can all be a part of that, we want to help others go to heaven, right? And so that's how Paul is kind of saying there to this church. And so he says, but, in verse 3, I fear that somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. 
so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which we you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Paul is concerned. They're, they're the church, but man, what if someone comes up and preaches another Jesus? Like Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer, like the Mormons say. That's a different Jesus. The spirit brother of Lucifer? No, Jesus is God. One God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, equal in essence and nature, but not in function and office. So Jesus is Michael the archangel. The Jehovah Witnesses will say, we love him, but that's not my Jesus. Paul here is going to say, in him dwells the fullness, the Godhead, in bodily form. The one that lives inside of you is God. The one that died for you is God. Paul here says, but you got to be careful because you're going to hear so many different things. If you go to Galatians chapter 1, Look at verse 6. Paul here says, I marvel. In the Greek language, that means I trip out. That's what he's saying right there. I'm tripping out that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. You know, what had happened in, in Galatians is an interesting thing. So basically, they, they, they said, well, Jesus died for you, he rose again, you put your faith in Jesus, and you're a blood-bought, bonafide believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're destined for heaven, you're forgiven, you're free, you're set, all you need is Jesus. But then other people came in and said, well, you also need to be circumcised. And so Paul saying to them, if you're trusting in that religious rite, and you're, if you're trusting in that ceremony, and if you're trusting in that work, then you're turning away from Jesus. Oh, I'm not turning away from Jesus. I still believe in Jesus. Not if you don't believe he's, he's sufficient. You don't need anyone else, anything else. So he's saying you're turning away from him by trying to add to the gospel. And what that is, is a perversion of the gospel. And so Paul here says, hey, man, this is important. Again, not a very good analogy, but I remember many years ago, one of the youngsters came up to me after service, a cool little kid. We have a lot of cool little kids in this church, huh? Have you guys noticed that? And anyways, he comes from a great family. Um, if I had to guess, I think at the time he was probably about 10 years old. But he came up to me and he asked me a question. He'd never asked me. He said, hey, Pastor Manny, can I use your phone? And so I said, uh, sure, you know, is everything okay? And he said, yeah, it's fine. It's just that my dad left without me. And so I need to call him to come back and pick me up. And, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, dad, I'm sure, you know, remembered his, his, his jacket and his other belongings and stuff, but he forgot his kid. He forgot the most precious commodity, right? And um, his most precious cargo, he forgot his son. 
And all I'm saying, and again, just probably saying the same thing that I always say, but just in a different way, is stay close to Jesus. Don't forget him. He lives in you. He died for you. He rose again. He's enough. I know we don't feel forgiven sometimes because we blow it, but we are. We're free. We have to have this assurance of salvation. I've just noticed that life has a way of accumulating clutter. Any of you guys have a cluttered house? I'm, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know how it just happens, man. It just things piling up. And so all I know is that that can happen spiritually as well. No, all we need is his son. Notice again, verse 8, Paul says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men and according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. He's just warning them, Beware, be aware, there are those dirty cheaters out there in the world. And so for us, again, simple warning you guys, just everything you hear, and be careful what you hear. The Lord Jesus said, beware what you hear and beware how you hear. Be careful. You know, stay on track. Um, don't get caught up in the philosophy of the world, the, the cotton candy of the stuff that they say has substance when in all reality it's just leading to vanity. And just because it's a tradition of men doesn't mean it's true. Mark chapter 7, Jesus said, you guys nullify the word of God through your traditions. We need truth, not necessarily traditions. We have to make sure that we are not walking according to the principles of the world when it conflicts with Christ. Because in verse 9, he says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And listen, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You know, it's crazy. They were trying to get them to worship angels and Paul said, he's the, he's the maker of angels. Why would you sell out for what they have to say? This is God. And so Paul says, I want to encourage you to continue to follow him. Four things uh, I'll leave with you guys today. Number one is the concern of Christ. You know, he's concerned, you know, that we don't get sidetracked. Number two is care from Christ. Uh, the reason why you hear stuff like this from me, you know, you might be thinking, well, he's just like one of those weird guys. No, I, I believe it's because God put his love inside of my heart for you and we care for people you know my wife on the way over here we were talking about how you know uh, you know just different things and this one conversation we were having was you know I was telling her how blessed I am to be a, a pastor of a church because I know yeah it has its burdens and there are things that you know there are sacrifices that need to be made but just think the people pray for me Think about that. I would never make it unless, you know, they pray for me. It doesn't have to be, you know, a long prayer. Just mention, Lord, help the knucklehead. You know, you could just mention little things like that. How, 
help Manny. And I just know that that makes a huge difference. But what about those people we were talking about? What about that individual that no one is praying for them? Think about that. There's nobody praying for that person over there. And that's why they're struggling. And so we were talking and we, we thought of somebody, maybe no one's praying for this person. So we prayed for this person. After service, one of the guys came up to me and he says, you know what, um, I want to tell you this. He said, I used to drive the freeways and whenever people would cut me off, I would get so mad at them. And I don't know if they gave him the one-way sign or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, he said, now I pray for them. And this is what the Lord showed me. He said, maybe that person who's in a hurry you know, is, is going through something crazy in their life. And nobody's praying for them. All I know is that we have this concern for people. We have this care for people. Number three is continue with Christ. So concern of Christ, care from Christ, continue with Christ. And don't get sidetracked. Real simple, Paul said, I'm concerned that someone might try to persuade you from the simplicity that is in Christ. It's not complicated. Just keep believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last thing is just to know that you're complete in Christ. Even though, you know, sometimes we don't feel it. Thank God that we are complete in Him. You know, I, I was uh, sharing with the first service. This is the Bible that my mom gave me when I was 12 years old. And uh, the first Bible I ever got, and it has her uh, handwriting here. The most beautiful handwriting. Sorry, but hers is better. <laughs> it's really beautiful. And uh, I read the whole thing. I read the whole thing. I, when I was just a kid, I, I didn't know what it meant, and I wasn't saved, but I did read the whole thing. But it, a- afterwards, I realized that those were seeds that were planted in my heart. And God would eventually use that one day to bring me to him. And that's kind of how it works, you guys. You know, you're here today, staying on track, hearing that message, not uh, necessarily new, but true. And so I pray that that would deepen. And if you're here today, and maybe there's going to be a seed planted, maybe you've heard it already, and so the seed was watered. Or maybe it's already been planted and watered and today is the day of harvest. Today is the day of salvation. If you're here and you need to give your life to Christ, please don't leave without him. No one has tomorrow guaranteed. You know, we did a funeral for someone who was uh, 76 and Peter's going to go do one for someone who's 28. None of us know. So... I pray that we're ready.